Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back, everybody. This is Lori. And we're the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we're headed into 3rd Nephi in the all about 3rd Nephi section. So as we know, this is when we turn to a new book of Scripture, and we're heading into the book of 3rd Nephi. And so today we're going to do the context and overview and structure section in the all about. So this is uh, my very favorite of our series when we get to take a step back and look at the big picture. And that's what we're going to do into 3rd Nephi, maybe, maybe the very best book in all of the Book of Mormon. So welcome back, everybody. I'm excited to be here. It is super late. I uh, am late this week in getting this uh, late, getting the podcast out. Um, as you know, I'm in school and I have work and different things. And so uh, my time is is running shy. So I apologize for my sleepy voice. But we are going to be headed into Third Nephi. And today I want to do a little who, what, where. So let's jump right in and see if we can head in. So Let's talk about what's happening uh, in the this very climax of the Nephite story is really when we're headed into Third Nephi. So if you think about the whole layout of the Book of Mormon, which Mormon has built very specifically for us, we already had the title page. We already know this is the purpose to turn the Lamanite, the Jew, and the Gentile to show Jesus as the Christ, and to have a remnant come back. And we're going to see these themes over and over again that Jesus is the Christ and the atoning Messiah. And so. As we've, you know, set the background in First and Second Nephi, we've learned about the atoning Messiah, we've learned about a remnant, and we've learned about uh, covenants. Now we are going to get to this is when uh, Christ is, is going to actually come. And so we're going to get to that highlight story. So what is happening exactly in this one? Well, this book has actually got quite a few chapters. It's a lot of text, but it only covers 33 years. 33 years. Kind of a symbolic number right? Should jump out at us a little bit, but it does cover about 33 years. So there's a lot going on in really a short, short, short amount of time. And so this book is worthy of our study. This book uh, we could study for a lot longer than the couple of three weeks that we have scheduled for it. So please take the time to jump in and review the the items that we're going to find today. But um, it's, it's uh, not a lot of time. It's a lot of text, not a lot of time. And just by contrast, remember, Helaman covers somewhere around, you know, less than 50 years, 48 years or so. So time is kind of condensing itself, right? So we've seen uh, Nephi and then some of the, the small books, Jerem and Omni, and, and some of those that they cover like these expansive sets of years where we don't have a lot. But now time is kind of speeding up and slowing down all at the t same time. So we're going to feel that tension. We're going to feel things speed up in that 33 years. Now, history, what's happening in the setting? Well, we know we're going to take mostly in the areas of uh, the Nephite land, so Zarahemla and outside of Zarahemla. In fact, we're going to see they have to leave Zarahemla. And so you're like, whoa, and anytime people have to leave, right, when Nephi had to lean, leave the land of um, Lehi-Nephi, when he left those original lands and had to flee for his life, and then uh, later, Mosiah, they end up in Zarahemla, and then, then now they're going to even have to leave and end up in Bountiful. Um, things we should say, whoa, there's this upheaval, right? We left Jerusalem, we leave Zarahemla. When we leave the home base, when we leave the city, things are really going to change. So, so we're going to notice that 
that's what's going to happen here is that we're going to be leaving Zarahemla. And so that should make us feel uncomfortable and we should say, whoa, something's happening because that is what's happening sociopolitically as well. Mormon has been sketching for us these uh, what's been happening this whole time. So this is not new from, from the book of, uh, you know, even parts of Mosiah, but Alma and Helaman, we know that he's uh, telling us what's kind of going on by sketching out kind of dual patterns of conflict. So you're going to say, well, Lori, we know it's dual patterns because we've learned about the Nephites and the Lamanites. Ah, ha, ha. That's not the dual pattern he's been sketching out. He has been sketching out external and internal. The external wars, right? We did the war chapters, and then there are all these series of wars between various peoples, not always uh, Nephite and Lamanite. Sometimes it's with the converts and the Lamanites. Sometimes it's with the Gadian and Roberts and the Nephites. Sometimes it's with, you know, these other groups. So these external groups. So we're at the in crowd, and then we're going to see the out crowds. So this external war. The other... So what would be the other one if it's external and internal, right? So you're going to see a lot of internal conflicts. And some of these are even worse. They're more deadly. And they ultimately because become the cause of the Nephite fall that Mormon points out. This is the p- reason we fell is because of these Gadiant robbers. Now he's going to use the term Gadiant because any kind of secret combination. And we see that they kind of rise and fall. They disappear at times and then they come back. It's not exactly the same group every time, right? But it's the same um, evil covenants that they're making, the same kinds of things that they come back. So Mormon keeps is going to start calling them the Gadiantans at this point. So we're going to see the external wars. We're really familiar with those. And we're really familiar with these internal conflicts. Again, we want to look that the Nephites keep fluctuating um, between accepting the values of the outside world. Like, oh, y- you know, yeah, that's, that's great. We want to focus on egalitarian and separating others and riches and wealth and then coming back to God and returning and say, no, no, those are bad ideas. Um, that's the way to sadness, right? We don't want to do that. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with wealth, but the pride cycle comes in. Um, and signs of those are definitely wealth. So uh, we're in this apostasy phase right when we hit into Third Nephi. Um, this internal conflict is at its worst part of the cycle, and that's where in the apostasy phase of the pride cycle, and that's right when we come in. So you're going to feel this this feeling of, just like we're going to be torn out of Zarahemla, we're going to leave the temple, uh, the temple that's built in Zarahemla. We're going to have to go out into the wilderness again. We're going to have to go to these other cities. We're going to feel we're at the lowest ebb, right? We're going to be the lowest ebb. But you're going to see this contrast. So you're going to see the dual patterns of conflict, but you're also going to see contrast. In fact, I want you to highlight some of the contrasts um, that you're going to say, Lori, it's all this doom and gloom. And you're going to say, boy, this is so much like our lives these days. But just like today, there's so many miracles going on and temples being built and, and literal miracles happening in our lives every day that that's what Third Nephi is going to show some of this too. In fact, he's going to say there were so many miracles and marvelous things, is how he says it, marvelous things that are happening that I can't write them all. So lest we think it's like, oh, it's the worst possible, that's definitely we're in the bottom of the pride, pride cycle and apostasy, but it's contrasted. So you're going to see a lot of con- contrasting elements in these stories. So as you read through it, one way to look at it is to just say, even to, uh, today's reading one through seven of Third Nephi, go through and just say, hey, here are the highs and the lows, right? Um, and what kinds of things are you seeing? And why? Why is Nephi pointing them out? You know, why? So that's kind of some of the history of what we're doing. 
who are the characters? Um, who is involved in these sections? Well, we already mentioned the one group, right? You're definitely going to see the robbers are going to take a, a larger spot on the stage. And it's probably the biggest we're going to see them as, a, as really at this point um, for a while. This is one of their biggest uh, entrances where they just take over. In fact, they drive them out, right? And the people have to live in basically um, uh, under siege. Uh, because of the robbers. And so, he, again, he's going to use the robbers as just a term for this group. Um, so they're, they're clearly more than, yeah, they live up in the wilderness as they like live in the mountains or whatever. And I always thought of them as like, uh, I don't know, a really like a small group of robbers, you know, thieves. And, and that would probably be um, a misappropriation of, of what we would call them. Uh, they are a socio-political group, right? And they have power, and they—it's um, a large group. So, so they're more than just a group of robbers in the hills. They're that, but they are also a bigger group, and we're going to see that, right? They are able to force this Nephite nation out of their main city, which we've never really seen before, right? Um, these uh, characters, the Gadiantans, are characterized by materialism and murder for gain, which, it, you know, it's oath-bound. They're making these terrible covenants, um, and they become critical uh, and part of the Nephite collapse. Mormon says this is what caused the collapse, was allowing that. So I know that's really hard for us in a Western world. I know it's hard for me to say materialism. It's like, but not my materialism. I'm not attached to my things, and I'm not driven by that. Um, but I will say uh, we are definitely driven by our society and you know how we look and how we dress and how we treat others and and uh you know i earned what i got and uh, those other people don't try very hard or whatever we see i work in business all day and um and it's it's interesting you know we try to be honest and we try to be fair uh but we you know we have a lot of entry-level workers and we are worried about the customer and we're worried about the bottom line and i work on the profit and loss statement almost every day so so it's, it's interesting that we are absolutely, this is just absolutely in our bones um, as a Western society, uh, is the same idea of materialism. So when I look at that, I go, oh, no, you know, that pinches a little bit. Ah, I see myself in that, sadly. Um, and then I definitely am not murdering anybody for gain. Um, that I certainly know of. We certainly, that one seems pretty extreme. But we do know, you can see all the different groups around today and where they're just no morals. It's all about power and money. And I mean, every, it seems to me every day we hear about another terrible group that has been in charge. I mean, from sports to schools to um, political groups to just, it seems just everywhere. Um, somebody is, is uh, twisted by power and materialism. So very sad, but I, we see ourselves, right? We already know that. But these characters, the Gadiant robbers, again, are going to take a large spot, materialistic and murder for gain and an oath bound group. So we kind of know this. Now, remember, Gadiantans are going to represent all these secret combinations. Now, contrastingly, then, who is the contrasting group? And so this story is going to almost be a lens. It's going to focus in tighter and tighter. And so the lens is going to be on the prophets. And last time we saw a couple of them, right? We saw uh, Nephi, son of Helaman. Um, and then we saw Samuel, right? And a compare and contrast with their two on the wall and on the tower and their warnings. And then we're also going to see now the next son uh there's a regime change and so the book changes but we're going to see the next nephi which is the next son as an aside if you ever want the little hint of who which which is the prophet that the book is named after and who's writing it's always the second one of the same name so alma the younger um is the one writing book of alma book of helaman is helaman helaman the younger because there's a helaman helaman nephi 
is there's it's Helam and Nephi, Nephi. And so then it's the younger every time. So it's kind of a weird twist that it's never the father in the father-son duo. It's always the younger son, uh, except, of course, for the first Nephi. But, um, but kind of interesting. It helps me keep track of which one was writing the book and then which one it's about. Um, and so there you go. But anyway, Gideon and Roberts on one hand, prophets, specifically this new Nephi, right? Nephi, the son of Nephi, um, who is going to be uh, the prophet here. So we see Gadianton robbers versus the prophet. So each has a hold over the people's hearts at some point. And it's probably a good point to ask ourselves, is it the prophet um, and the Lord that has hold over our heart that we've given up our heart and our very thoughts and, and minds? Or is it somebody else? Is it somebody else? Okay. Let's take one more step back and look at one more thing, and that is the structure. Now, this is a structure I put together. Um, if you've ever done any outlining or structuring, you know, it's it's just however it makes sense to you. And sometimes I like it like this, and sometimes I change it. But for this one, I got um, really involved in trying to map out how I think this book is structured. Um, I didn't find any other scholarly people who've uh, done it quite like this, so... These are my thoughts alone. Take them or leave them. But a uh, good way to remember them, I think there are kind of three parts to this story. I think there are three parts. The first part we're going to see in the reading that we're doing now, basically one through seven or so, a little bit farther, right? But we're going to see um, this This is really the setting up the stage, and this is this introductory. So we're on this kind of, we're, we're going to see three levels. So we're on the outside. So if it's concentric circles, the way this book is, is done, we're on the outside, and we're going to go inside, and then uh, farther inside as well so it's kind of one two three as we look at this and where this outside first we're going to begin with a revelation in fact this is a powerful revelation and so I want you to realize this book could have started a lot of ways we had all these Gadian robbers we have all this stuff going on and yet this story begins with a powerful racial revelation and that was from the Lord saying tomorrow come I into the world right this is it this is the point of the book of it and this book and the book of mormon and human history right up to this point this is it this is the coming of the messiah or at least for the first time so this is the point and it's the point of the we're going to see a couple of things that point to it it right in the out of the gate the law of moses so you're going to get this story it's like oh they're oppressing the people and then it's like never fear this is the you know where it's time to kill those people that believed in samuel lamanite and the day and a night and a day all that that sign was given and we're going to kill them and then we start with that beautiful, beautiful revelation and assurance by the Lord, who obviously didn't have to even do that um, because it just would have happened uh, within hours. But I love that compassion, or as First Nephi calls the condescension, condescension of the Lord, that he condescends to come down and speak to us even um, in a relationship and close and cares that this was a big deal. And he cared. And uh, so he came and reveals that. And I love that piece of the book. But we also see that this is this in this circle that the other point was the law of Moses. So remember, they're like, oh, the sign's been given, so we don't have to obey the law of Moses anymore. And, but in fact, um, this book is going to highlight that because this was the point of the law of Moses. It was pointing inward to Christ, right? These were the things they had been practicing this whole time. So we're on this outside circle, and we're going to be pointing in. Here's the revelation. Hey, law of Moses. And we're also going to go back to those, uh, we just left Samuel, so we're coming into those signs. Again, everything's kind of collapsing in. So we see this first, very first thing, a miracle, a revelation, right? Beautiful way to start the book, and then it starts to tighten in the circle. Um, 
contrastingly, you're going to feel the tension come back in this compare contrast is the downfall. You're, you're going to track this downfall of the Nephite society. So, you know, those, those are the ones we seem to remember. Um, if I see anything on various social media boards, that's always like, how could the people have forgotten? <laughs> they just had this sign. Um, and it, you know, just kind of gets bad, 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 bad. Uh, but you're going to see the compare and contrast. So don't forget the good parts, please. Don't forget. Um, I think the Lord is trying to teach us something about the good parts and not just the bad parts. And so there's a compare and contrast. So we're going to track the downfall, but we're also going to see some other things. One of the things I want you to notice is that there are a lot of temple themes. So this entire book, I have already told you, I think it's structured in three chunks and you're going to see more similar um, breakdowns that are going to remind us of the temple, right? Moving inwards and getting close, closer to the Lord from um, on a three kind of tier like the uh, ancient temple and the modern. I think we're going to see that people have no, you know, they have to leave their temple city, right? Remember Laconius's seven years, they have to move out and they're going to starve out the robbers. So there's a theme of having to leave the temple and then they return to the temple in Bountiful. And then where does the Lord appear? To the temple in Bountiful. And so you're going to see some of that. So time of contrast, temple themes, time of great faith, time of great evil. Um, on that negative side, uh, you're going to see a lot of themes on this um not only the great faith, but also the great hold that people have given Satan, that Satan has great hold on their hearts. And so you're going to see that he seems to have a greater concentration in these chapters than anywhere else in the Book of Mormon. So if you think somewhere else, you're like, Satan, where, where does that come up? And it's like this section. Um, so it's something that's happening, this contrast. So it's um, Satan's powers flaring up. People are giving it to him. Uh, and then we're going to see it contrasted again by the Lord's coming. Right. So Satan knew Jesus had been born, and so he does everything he could to uh, reign with horror, bloodshed. Um, but the great wickedness of these years are only going to be heightened and intensified. The evil is going to be intensified and contrasted between Satan's darkness with Jesus's light, right? The gleaming brightness, the light and the goodness that, that Christ is going to usher in. So this contrast is really foreshadowed. A good example is in 3 Nephi 7. Uh, Nephi was visited by angels. He heard the voice of the Lord. He saw as an eyewitness, he had power to give unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ. So he was able to see what was happening over in the uh, other part of the world. And from these ministrations, right, from these revelations, from these um, uh, visitations of the Lord and the Spirit, we learn that Nephi knew very much about the difference between Christ and Satan, right? It is contrasted very heavily the power of Christ salvation and then the people to backslide and then he says uh in 715 they were returning quickly from righteousness unto their wickedness and abominations so you're going to see that theme and once you start seeing that compare and contrast you you can't unsee it it's just everywhere in these chapters right? so part one you're going to be out here is kind of this preparatory you're out in this outer circle of what's going to happen and the people in the bigger picture and the downfall, but also some of the highlights. Then you're going to go in to the next section, which I just titled Destruction and Appearance. So in part two, we see we go in, and this is when Christ visits, right? So we see Christ is going to be um, the murder, his murder and death on one side of the earth causes the earth itself, um, the order of the earth, be to be out of order. So think back to the creation story, and, and remember creation, it was... Um, Ah, that's funny. I just thought of it in Hebrew. I never think in Hebrew. I don't know enough Hebrew, but the term is uh, like wild and waste, tohu vavohu, 
that says, right, in the beginning was the, um, was the earth and, and then the world was wild and waste. Um, tohu vavohu. And so it, vavohu. And uh, that, that means like it's kind of chaos, right? It's not ordered yet. And the Lord's going to order it. And so he puts order in. And so we're going to see that when Christ dies, the very creator himself, that order is going to kind of fall apart. And so we see it in the water and the darkness and the mist and the fires and the tumultuous and the earthquakes and the seas, right? And if you want to take an idea of like order and chaos, anything, and not only the, uh, especially the Old Testament, but a lot of the scripture has this idea going on of chaos and, and, uh, and the Lord ordering it and, and putting it right. And so we're going to see that when the creator is killed, that things go out of order, right? The uh, All the earth itself rises up. The new and everlasting covenant, as often said, holds the world together. Again, another temple theme, that those covenants are what, ho- you know, put order and rightness back in the world. So we're going to see that. It's going to get, the Lord is, is uh, crucified and dies, <sighs> craziness ensues, and then he comes and it's light, right? In fact, it's so dark, they can't even see, they can't even light a fire, remember? Spoiler alert. And then, he comes and it's so bright and you can't hear him and all that. I mean, it's so compare and contrast, right? So you're going to see this part two, destruction and appearance, chaos, right? Order, and that's uh, the murder and death, but then the uh, resurrection of Christ, right? You can just see that second part. So again, first part, the revelation kind of setting the scene. Then you come in to the destruction of uh, earth and, and all that that accompanies uh, Christ's sacrifice and then his appearance. Part three. This, the, the real section, right? We're getting to, we're now in the inner circle, Christ's ministry. And this is when he appears. And we're going to say, where does he go? Well, Lori, you already told me. It was a temple theme. And he's going to appear at the temple. And it's not the temple in Zarahemla. It's the temple at Bountiful. And we see order and light is restored. We're going to get the teachings, Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, uh, third ne- or sermon, uh, sermon at the temple, we could call it. Uh, third Nephi 12 through 14, we're going to see that. Then we're going to see even more ordinances, the ordinance of the sacrament, the setting apart of the apostles. We're going to see uh, more teachings. Uh, many, many of the teachings, we're not even going to get them all, right? It's going to be like, you know, the ear hasn't heard and we can't tell and the children and the angels and, you know, all of this is... So just think it's it's um, it's not coming in a linear sense. It feels to me like it's going in, in, in to something up, 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 more holy, holy, holy. Um, so it's kind of three circles, three levels. So we're going to see that as our structure, as our structure. All right. I think that's a pretty good place to start with our all about. So keep on reading. And if you guys will do me a favor, um, please like, share, give me a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps the channel a lot and it helps other people find us and share the gospel. All right, brothers and sisters, keep on reading.